It is the 200 level episode 300 and not the milestone episode that I was hoping for. Illinois loses to Purdue. And I went through a variety of names for this podcast and I ended up going with Trainwreck, which I think is an apt description for what happened yesterday and really what's happened the last two weeks. That was a package deal. Michigan State and Purdue and Illinois failed the test miserably. And there are a lot of ramifications beyond just the season, I'm afraid, and I'm going to get to that. I want to talk about some other possible titles, though, that were going to inform the narrative of this episode. One of them was actually Isaac Ambrose's idea, and he texted this to me and Trevor as we were as I was walking out of the stadium after Purdue got that interception, that was my I got to get out of here moment. Even if there was a comeback possible, I just I, I couldn't do it anymore. And Isaac's idea was how to lose a fan in 10 days, which I think is a, a brilliant title. And I didn't go with it just because I didn't want people to look at the title of this podcast and think that I had entirely jumped ship. That's not the case. You know that I'm going to be around. You didn't lose me as a fan. I'm still going to watch the games and go to many of them, maybe not all of them, including this upcoming Saturday in a frigid Ann Arbor. I'm not wasting my time in there. I'm not. We'll go somewhere warm and toasty to watch it. How to lose a fan in 10 days. Well, let's start with that because I do think there's something to be said about the ramifications on this fan base. And I was tweeting last night and trying to do so as objectively as I could, which is kind of difficult when you are emotionally tied into this thing. But one of the points I made was outside of the gaudy record that you could have amassed this year or going to Indy. Outside of that, honestly, what concerns me the most is losing fans yet again. Fans are sick and tired of being bamboozled by this football program. And it's not specifically the fault of Brett Bielema any more than it is Ron Zook or Ron Turner or Lou Tepper before that, or far beyond that. I mean, you could go back to the 70s and the 60s, the the Gary Moeller years. Those were lean years. And that's before my time. But I know that in my time, there have been enough of these moments where Illinois has bamboozled me into thinking, oh, wait a second, they've turned a corner. And I'm really sick of that. I am. This team is still 7-3. and three. I still think that this is a coaching staff that is going to keep you respectable and relevant in the Big Ten West, however long that may be. But the last two weeks have been such a crushing disappointment given where you were that a lot of the fans that are less diehard than me probably said, screw it. And I'm not going to fault them for that. The paid attendance yesterday was about 45000 So you got back to the homecoming level attendance after one week where you got 55,000 for Michigan State. And then after that, 10,000 people essentially said, okay, thanks, but no thanks. I've, I've, I've seen this before. And that to me, as I wake up on this Sunday, more than having to cancel my hotel room in Indy, which I did. And I know there's ways to get there and I may or may not hit that later today. There's scenarios, but Cancel the hotel room in Indy. Not going to worry about going to a bowl game because this team has lost me to that degree. I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars on this team as they look right now. But it's for the fan that is less invested than me that says, you know what, I'm just not going to bother going again until they show me consistently that they can win. And when we're trying to build a football program and we're trying to build a culture and an environment that is exciting and people want to be a part of it, 
Days like yesterday are absolute killers. Lot 31, about 3.30 p.m., was like being at a wake. And that might sound hyperbolic, but for anyone that was in there and the flurry started coming down and the wind started picking up, thank God for Gino, my dad's good friend who tailgates with us, and bringing the fire pit and the folks that, you know, the four or five folks that were at our tailgate helping to make it as cool of a, a spot that it could be. But afterwards, everyone felt that cloud over us. Figuratively speaking, literally, it was cloudy as hell and it was miserable outside. But figuratively speaking, it was like a freaking wake out in Lot 31 after that game. I don't like that feeling. And I started questioning, why do I do this? Well, I know why I do this. I know how I felt after the Iowa was, or the Iowa and Minnesota games at home. I certainly know how I felt after smoking Wisconsin at Wisconsin this year. I know why I do it because it feels really, really good when they win. But it feels more, more worse, worser. Am I making up words now? It feels worse when they play like they did yesterday, when they have an opportunity to actually get those fans that are just a little bit more casual than I am, when they finally get a chance to bring them back in the fold for good. We all granted them a mulligan for Michigan State. We all did. And even those who didn't show up yesterday and were instead watching in the comfort of their homes, they still granted the team a mulligan. I know they didn't buy the ticket to see Illinois potentially clinch, quote-unquote, a Big Ten West against Purdue, but they were still watching. And as they watched that, they thought, yep, good thing I didn't go. We are giving people reasons to not come to the stadium. And I am so tired of that. I so badly want this to be a program that people want to be near. I mean, I'm going to, I speak to someone every few weeks or so, and then I'm going to ask them tomorrow when I have an appointment, I'm going to say, you know, what is the psychological thing going on here that for about two months on my daily runs, I would make sure to run by Memorial Stadium? I know a bit of that answer is I just wanted to be near that stadium. When things are feeling good, I want to be around that aura. My entire life, I've wanted that to be a bastion of success, to be able to have and enjoy the things that other football programs have been able to enjoy. So when I get a taste of that, I want to be, I want to get my hands on it any way that I can. So I've been changing my route for my run around Memorial Stadium. I don't want to be anywhere near it today. It's like it's emitting toxic fumes and I want nothing to do with that stadium, this beautiful brick stadium and all the columns. You know, I'm, I'm sitting in the tailgate yesterday and I, I will apologize ahead of time. If this seems like the rantings and ravings of a lunatic. <laughs> and I guess in a way it is. But after the, uh, after the game, Alex Rue, who works for BTN, and you might follow him on Twitter. He's a really cool guy. And he stopped by with some friends. And he made the point. He kind of did this you know, wave of his arm towards the stadium and said, look at this. We have it all right here. We have it all right here. And it's true. From our vantage point in Lot 31, what I would have gave to have been able to come back out of that stadium, not at 2.30, but of course the game went four freaking hours, so let's say 3 o'clock, to leave that stadium in that miserable day outside and look at that stadium in the orange columns and just the palatial look of it and be enjoying a victory cigar. No matter how you would have won against Purdue and no matter how, eh, I don't know, like you could have won by three points and we all would have been a little bit, eh, but ultimately you would have won. And that would have been a far better outcome than what happened. But instead, we are just pissing away at every opportunity we have. We're pissing away the opportunity to really take that step. 
And while I grant it is year two, and while I grant that you are seven and three, I've said this many times, expectations change, they evolve. So while I did say seven and five was my prediction for the season, and I still think they're going to get more than seven wins, Northwestern may not be the blowout we hoped it would be, but for God's sake, you better win that game. Expectations change. So if you're waking up this morning and you're pissed off and someone says, well, wait a second, you're seven and three. Why are you pissed? You have every right to be. Expectations change based on who you play and how you yourself are playing. And it's seven and one with two winnable games against teams that are kind of a mess in Michigan State and Purdue. Fans deserved better than that. Now, do 18 to 22-year-olds owe us anything? Nah, I don't want to go that far. So when I say we fans deserve better than that, this isn't some sort of transactional thing where it's like, okay, young men that are wearing the helmets and beating each other senseless on the field, you owe us. It's not about them so much. It goes beyond them. I'll start with the coaching staff. I don't know what the hell's happened the last two weeks. I like the Barry Liney extension, but that is not really the way to follow up the extension. He sucked yesterday. He managed to trot out a fairly vanilla offense against the worst secondary, right now, the worst secondary in the Big Ten. He continued to insist on running behind the left or right guard on these delayed handoffs. That would get you maybe two or three yards in. Oh, you've essentially wasted it down. Now it's second and eight. Good for you, Barry Lunny. You did go downfield sometimes. You should have gone downfield more. Because the wind was clearly not having that big of an impact. When you went downfield, you tended to have success. And then before you know it, it's the fourth quarter and you're just wasting time. Just wasting time. All in the name of, we got to get Chase his. We got to run the ball. It wasn't working. So move on. I don't need two-dimensional football. I need the kind of football that's going to win that game that's right in front of you. And what would have won yesterday with Purdue King on Chase like they did is going downfield, even with a wide receiver room that isn't that great. Barry Money insisted time and time again. But I'll tell you the moment where the game was lost. And anyone in the stadium probably felt it especially. You got to stop with about 240 to go in the first half, up 14 to 7. And you get the ball after halftime. A team that is worth their salt goes right down the field and they score. Even if it's a field goal, you go right down the field and score. Instead, we have two handoffs to Reggie Love. In a crucial moment of the game, two handoffs to Reggie Love for either a gain of one or a loss of one. Who really cares? Third down incompletion, punt it, Purdue scores. And yes, we can talk about the officiating, which was terrible, and turned what should have been a fun Saturday into a four-hour crap fest. They were terrible. But they did not lose you that game. I know the Devin Witherspoon pass interference call. That, that is a difference maker. Moments matter. But before that, we don't even get to that point if Barry Lunny does his job and attacks. Instead, here, Reggie Love... Run up the gut behind an interior of the offensive line that's getting no push against Purdue. And let's see what happens. The stubbornness of these guys that make so much money. On one hand, Barry Lunny can be so creative, and that's why I like him as an offensive coordinator. I do. Don't love him, though. 
Because he, like many coordinators, they get so stuck in their own ways. They insist, we must do this. This is our bread and butter. Play the game in front of you. 2.40 to go in that half. What he was doing was the slow play to maybe get the first down and then attack. I guess I understand that based on the way Purdue was moving the ball. You don't want to go quick three and out and give them the ball back. But the thing is, Reggie Love, two handoffs on first and second down, and all it took was Purdue burning two timeouts. That's not taking time off the clock either. So maybe a little bit of gamesmanship on your own part. That was the turning point of the game. You should have been up 21-7, to go to halftime, feeling good, put them away. You never even had to get to the moment where Devin Witherspoon intercepts it and gets called for a BS pass interference call, which was terrible. But by that point, I was so fed up with what I perceived to be vanilla play calling. And this goes up to the top to Bielema. When you get the ball with 240 to go, whatever message you need to send your offensive coordinator, go. Put the game away, and you would have. I know Purdue was moving the ball, but I do think if you go up two scores, entirely different game when you go to half up 21-7 to or even 17-7, to and you get the ball afterwards. But instead, you put entire defense already back on the field, and the defense sucked yesterday. There's no two ways about it, but you entirely flipped your game plan, letting Purdue have the ball for about 20 minutes of that first half. So that three and out there, that was it. That was the game. And plenty of opportunities to win it afterwards. But that was the momentum changer just as much as the Devin Witherspoon bogus play pass interference call. Now, I want to hit this real quick. Sponsors, I'm just going to name you real quick because I'm just going to kind of go today. And, and please, listeners, support these guys. DPDO online at DPDO.com. Rector Construction online at RectorConstruction.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Brian is my guy.com. And Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Please support DPDO, Rector Construction, Brian Hansen, State Farm agent, and Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing. Sponsors, I'm going to hit you up heavy this week, I promise. I just got to kind of go today. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. We appreciate them. We appreciate you. Back to my rantings and ravings. And thank you, YouTube live feed. I'm going to get to all of these. I'm going to get to all these here. First things first, coffee. Hmm. Okay. This is when you don't have notes. It's kind of scattershot. <laughs> I didn't know how much emotion I would have this morning, but it's, it's coming out. Okay. Let's, I started with the fan thing, right? Where you let a lot of fans, you gave a lot of fans an excuse to say, okay, Thanks, but no thanks. That was part one that bothered me. Got into the game itself a little bit. And I want to go one step further. I was talking more about the, I guess, a little bit micro with Barry Lunny and my frustrations with him yesterday. The defense was bad. Let's start on the defense. What was it, 400 yards he gave up to Purdue? After what Iowa did to them the week before. Iowa, by the way, is starting to look good again, despite a crap offense. They're doing what Iowa does. And if they were to make a move at offensive coordinator next year, they're going to be right back up top in the Big Ten West. Uh, Kirk Ferentz can weather that storm if he gets out of his own way. But your defense yesterday was, was really bad. And there were so many third down opportunities, including the very first drive of the game, if you remember. Now, Purdue did not score on the first drive of the game. But you had them on a third and 12, I'm pretty sure, and they converted on their very first set of downs. And to me, that was a harbinger of things to come. It kind of foreshadowed that, well, Purdue's going to get theirs today. And I actually thought the way that yesterday might have shaken out was that Purdue was not going to get theirs, that they were not going to move the ball. Fool me once. It was basically Michigan State 
but even worse. <laughs> you know, like Michigan State in that second half when they had to get first downs and they had to score, they did. And there was really not a whole lot of resistance by this defense. Uh, it was alarming. No pressure. I think a lot of it was a lack of blitzing maybe, but whatever aggressive nature this team had, you, you can just start with the front and you could see that they were not getting push on that Purdue offensive line, which maybe isn't bad. They're an okay offensive line. Otherwise, they wouldn't score as many points as they did. But between that, not getting to the quarterback, and Devin McAbee having a pretty good game, including some 9- and 10-yard runs, that was a totally pedestrian Illinois defense. There's nothing scary about it anymore. So whatever mental edge, that's gone. And then fundamentally speaking, I mean, good Lord, I know Alec Bryan is a backup. But there were two plays in a row where they really got him to bite, where O'Connell had a 15-yard rush on himself, and then the next play they do the option, or an option-esque play to the left, and they get Alec Bryant unable to contain yet again. So I understand Seth Coleman being out hurt you, but these are just blatant missed plays by your defense. But what really grinds my gears more than any of that, if I can use an old-timey phrase, what really grinds my gears, the lack of discipline. There were a few pass interference calls that were BS. We know the Devin Witherspoon one is just an awful call. The Sidney Brown one by the end zone, that was a bad call. And I'm sure there was another one. But let's go to the fourth quarter. And it was if whether it was late third or early fourth, Purdue had a drive where Calvin Avery alone gifts them 30 yards. Or was it Calvin Avery and then Johnny Newton? Was this the 15-yard hands to the face? And then the second play was pushing Aiden O'Connell when he was out of bounds. 30 yards, you gift them. You cannot do that. And then the cavalcade of penalties kept coming and coming and coming. Some of them legit, some of them BS. That's fine. But ultimately, you fed into this worthy, undisciplined, sloppy team. And that was not what this team was. Yeah, they had some games where they were turnover prone. But when it really counted, they were not making mistakes like that. Those were mental mistakes in the biggest game of the year. That was a team that was not ready for the moment. And that is so disappointing. That was a defensive unit that was not ready for the moment. Where the fans were feeling that bloodlust and saying, get to the quarterback. Meanwhile, the defense is like, "Ah, ah, hit me with a feather, I'm down. There was this weird sort of finesse with the way they played yesterday that is alarming as you go into Michigan. And I'm not even going to talk about the Michigan game today. I'm not going. I'm selling the tickets. I'd rather hang with Kara and her family in a nice, warm, cozy place and just sort of casually watch it because it's not going to go well. It's not. Chase Brown or no Chase Brown, it's not going to go well. This team has major issues right now. And mentally speaking, whether it be the defense and their sloppiness or the offense and their sort of passivity, if that's a word instead of aggressiveness, these guys are playing scared right now. And that goes up to the coaching staff. I, I don't know what the hell happened. I, I could try to get micro even more, which is not my strong suit. But if you were in the stadium yesterday, you noticed and you felt this sort of, I don't know, timid nature to the team. That made no damn sense, especially when you went up 7 nothing. I thought we're winning this game. Then you got to stop after you went up 7 nothing. You got the ball back. But again, you can't put them away. And you, you could have put them away early. This Purdue defense sucks. They will continue to suck. And your offense was just totally pedestrian against them. What the hell happened? What happened here? I don't know if this is 2011 again. 
if they lose the next two games, it kind of is. But that's what a lot of fans probably feel that it's similar towards. They look at this team like, ah, I remember Zooks last year. Here we go again. And they have some legitimacy behind that argument now. And I, I hate that there are going to be people that could say, I told you so. And they aren't going to be entirely wrong about that. They aren't. So I'm not going to, for a long time, for the next few years, I'm not going to do any finger waving and say, why aren't you people coming out to the games? This is the stuff that is just absolutely killer. For the lack of people that have been in the stands and the parking lots this year, if Illinois had made Indy, there would have been 20, 30,000 Lanai fans going over there. They would have been into it. And you don't get that now. So I'm bummed today. I mean, I had to, <laughs> I got in my car yesterday. The game's over. I was warming up before I went back out the tailgate. And I tried to get on Hotels.com to cancel my reservation. I go to the app and it says, you must update your app. And I just tossed my phone in the chair. I'm like, not now, you know. And to me, I think what I was really kind of dealing with yesterday that goes beyond just the game. Of course, I was pissed off about the game. But I was pissed off as a 36-year-old that I allowed myself to get so emotionally invested into sports again, only for the rug to be pulled out from under me. I should have known better is what I was telling myself yesterday. Should have known better. Now, if I were to have taken less of an approach to this team this year, the wins would not have felt as good as they did. That's the trade-off. But how, after all these years, did I not even consider when we were 7-1, did I not even consider the fact that, well, maybe they come home and they lay eggs two weeks in a row? I did not even consider that. And for those that watch the games, the eight games so far this year, I don't think you guys really consider that either. And even after the Michigan State game, I said that was the aberration. I believe that this team and this coaching staff will figure it out. And instead, they do the Illinois football thing again. I'm not a superstitious guy. I'm not a religious guy. I don't know what I believe in in terms of if there's an entity up there or not. But sometimes it's hard to explain any of this beyond... We must be cursed. There must be a hex on Illinois football. I don't want to go down that road. I do everything in my power to not go down that road of, you know, pitying myself as an Illini fan. Oh, well, we always screw it up. There's no rational reason why that should be the case. And yet they keep doing it with Illinois football. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Why do I follow it? That's our lot in life. Usually you're born into it. Not many people are born with parents that are fans of another team and decide, you know what? I'm going to be an Illinois football fan. That sounds good. No, this is something that is ingrained in most of us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here listening to this podcast and the rantings and ravings of an Illinois fan. All right, I want to get to these YouTube live chat comments here. And I want to thank you guys for joining me a little bit earlier this morning. I just wanted to get it out there, get it out of the way, so to speak. From Jacob, yesterday was so deflating. Drove down from the Northwestern Burbs and just dejected. The team just wasn't fun to watch either. We went to uh, Maze or Maize, I think they say it, Jacob. I, I forget, one of the two, for some margaritas and tacos to make us feel better. That's that's smart. I, a- afterwards, we had just the best chili I think I've ever had, thanks to Gino. But Jacob, deflating is a good word for it. Now, I don't know if that even covers it. You know, Deflating, it certainly was. You bring up something I think is interesting as well. That wasn't fun. That was not a fun four hours. 
There were moments of fun, but it became pretty clear even by the end of the first quarter that, oh, great, it's going to be a dogfight. And it was the way that Illinois shot themselves in the foot over and over again, and the officiating, and the fact this thing took four freaking hours. No game should take four hours unless it is like quadruple overtime. It's it's a bad product, and you mix that with a piss-poor performance from Illinois, deflating, not fun, and it leaves you questioning, what the hell am I doing spending four hours of a... I was about to say perfectly good Saturday. It really wasn't. I mean, what was I going to do other than go to a game? It was nasty out. But it was not fun. From Michael. That one hurt. I haven't heard anything about Chase yet, but looks like we limped a Northwestern game and hopefully get a bowl opponent we match up favorable to us. Very defeated for the moment, though. Michael, I think two things need to happen to make us by end of the season feel good again. You must beat Northwestern. And I don't know anymore. I I know they suck. I do. I can't trust this Illinois team right now. I trusted them for two months. They gave me reason to trust them. I cannot trust them right now. There's something bigger than just a you know lack of execution going on over there. There's something bigger. And it worries me a little bit beyond just this season. How you could, as I tweeted yesterday, piss away all this goodwill in two weeks. So quickly. How to lose a fan in 10 days, as Isaac said. And you did lose some fans, or at least you put a lot of them at bay. But I am worried, Michael, that there's some intangible thing wrong here. And you could say, well, Carp, you weren't as good as your record to begin with, so you just played two bad games in a row. Yeah, I buy that to a degree, because it's not like Michigan State and Purdue are terrible, but they aren't good. We saw Michigan State yesterday. They limped to a seven-point win against Rutgers. They were, they were fine, whatever. They'll make a bowl game at six wins, probably, when they beat Indiana next week. But the feeling, the look, the body language, you know, this is going to sound very meatball fan thing, so forgive me for a second, but Purdue yesterday, I was noticing the contrast in sidelines. During some of these long timeouts that went for three, four freaking minutes, some of these reviews, you see Purdue kind of huddle up along the 50-yard line. They start doing this little stupid dance. Well, they're into it. And I look at our sideline, and they're just limp. There is a limpness, and I won't use that word too much because <laughs> the, the visuals are just whatever. But there was. There was on the sideline yesterday for Illinois sort of, God, are we even into this? We're like, well, what are we doing? Do we care? Like, And of course they cared. Of course they cared, but they didn't care enough when you compare it to how much Purdue cared. The chip on the shoulder that Illinois had every reason to have was actually on the other sideline. How does that happen? How do you allow the opponent to come in and want it more than you did? Because yes, Illinois wanted it. Purdue wanted it more. I mean, eventually Purdue kind of willed themselves to that win. And will is a funny thing, right? It doesn't mean you're always going to out-execute the other team, but I do think they made just enough plays in their lines. That's where I go to this idea of will. The way that their lines were getting pushed against ours. Supposedly our strengths, our offensive line in the run game, and pass protection has been okay this year too. And then our defensive line getting the quarterback and stopping the run. Those were negated yesterday. So you felt like the lesser team for a good three quarters of that game. It did make, didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me based on how they played before. So then when you can't really explain it rationally, you start going to these intangible things. Will, want, how much do you have a desire to win this game compared to the other team? And I questioned that after yesterday. And you had a freaking Big Ten West on the line. And what I don't want to see is players saying, oh, well, we'll get him next time. No, you, you won't. I don't want to hear it. You blew this opportunity. Now you need help. What more 
emphasis did you need to put on this game to understand the magnitude of it? It's one thing to come out tight. I don't think it was tightness. Timidity, if that's a word. Timid. You were timid and scared, it felt like. Why? Go out there and just play ball. And they played limp. A limp game. I go back to that. Just a bunch of limp noodles out there in a game that you had no reason to be. You should have been as pissed off and bloodlust, bloodlusty as the fans were yesterday. The 35,000 that were probably actually in the stadium that braved the crappy conditions to watch that four-hour crap fest of a game. When the fans want it more than maybe you do, then I start questioning what the hell was going on in those football offices this week. What was that? I say all that. I still like the coaching staff. <laughs> but right now, I really don't... If I if we see like news pop up, Bielma gets extended. Great. Okay, fine. But now's not the week that I'm going to get all happy about that. That's I, I would prefer that he does get extended. I think he's a guy that you can build this around. I still do. But... It's just not going to feel the same after whatever that was yesterday. From Jacob, I agree with you. Expectations change and you only get so many opportunities. Back in 05 for basketball, we felt like we would be back to a Final Four as a program and we haven't since. Yeah, you can't count on anything, Jacob. You also had two big visitors yesterday, Malik Elzey and Jair Hill. And that was not really showing them a whole hell of a lot. Unless they are in the mindset that we can play next year. Because Malik Elzey, you're starting at wide receiver next year. You are. I, I don't know. But can we talk about Isaiah Williams? I like him. You got to stop letting punts go by you. Stop gifting the other team 15 yards of field position. I don't get it. Special teams. Hugh Robertson was great. Caleb Griffin was great yesterday. Oddly enough, your specialists were great, but the special team still sucks. Oh, my God. From Dave, after the start, 7-5 collapse or 8-4 and four with a beat down to Michigan. While an improvement is not that jump we were all rightly expecting after the 7-1 start. Slide improvement, minimal momentum. Great word, Dave. And I like alliteration. Minimal momentum. Isn't that it, though? Yes, you can sell yourselves uh, better than you could the year before. But this was approaching a level where you could go on the recruiting trail, whether it be transfer portal, four-year players, JUCO guys, and say, hey, we got playing time for you and... We have asserted ourselves as a team to reckon with in the Big Ten. Now, that buzz is gone. At least right now. And maybe a win at, I mean, short of a win of Michigan, I don't think you're going to get that momentum back because Northwestern's not going to do it. You would need to beat Northwestern and win your bowl game. And then you're 9-4, and four, and that feels pretty good. That's the same record as the Rose Bowl team. But 8-5, and 7-6... Oh, <laughs> I think unfortunately eight and five is maybe the likely outcome here. And when you're seven and one, that's just not going to do it. Finishing one and four in your last five is not going to do it. This is also from Dave regarding one Lunny. I think he's in over his head. He clearly knows what he's doing based on the scripted starts success. I think the early red zone issues and chase Heisman push has messed his play calls. Don't disagree, Dave. There's an insistence to his play calling that I don't understand. And Dave also agrees with Timid. Uh, I don't didn't understand rushing three against the best passing QB we'll see all year. Giving him time while also playing multiple backup DBs. McConnell had to love it. O'Connell, yeah. No, he absolutely did, Dave. I mean, he was just able to sling it around back there. Ah, <sighs> darn it. You know, I I don't know what else I have, everybody. I mean, other than the fact that this just sucks 
And for you brave souls that are actually going to listen to this and maybe get some catharsis out of it, I, I'm pissed. I'm pissed and I question a lot of things right now where I didn't think I was going to have to question anything. It's like, we got it. Sustainable. This is going to work. And I use the word bamboozled a lot, but that's how I feel. I feel bamboozled. I feel like a schmuck. A 36-year-old schmuck that allowed myself to get pulled back in with the tractor beam of Illinois football only to get fooled again. And that I hate that. Yeah, I feel bad for the players. They, they got to this point, and they know more than anybody this morning they blew it. I woke up at 3 in the morning thinking about this stupid game. Did they sleep last night? I mean, I... It would suck. It's not. I don't think it's going to be a good week over there. It's not going to be, okay, rally around each other. No, I, I don't think so. I'm worried that there is something fundamentally broken right now. And I, I caution myself saying that because in the last podcast I said, we tend to overcorrect. And after the, let's say, Michigan State upset over Illinois, we tended to overcorrect and get worried about the Purdue game when I thought, well, there's no real reason to. This is a good matchup for Illinois. Should have been a good matchup. I worry that there's going to be a wheels coming off thing. that They've already started to come off. I just don't think you can put this shit back together again in time for a Michigan game where it's going to be absolutely freezing cold up there. I doubt Chase Brown plays even if he was walking around. So you're going to be able to need to run it. And McCray apparently is out. So he's made of glass. I don't know. Chase Hayden? <laughs> what do you do? I, I mean, you know, Isaiah Williams getting some direct snaps? I don't know. You aren't going to score. How much are you going to score at Michigan? You had hard enough time getting points against Purdue. And I know you got 24. That's fine. One of them was a late field goal. A nice nice kick from Caleb Griffin. But you struck, everything was so labored yesterday. Why? Why, was every, why did everything feel so hard for that offense? Oops, sorry. Hit the mic stand. I, I don't get it. I really don't. Dave said, went from a big-time bowl, potential coach of the year, national story, to random crap bowl that literally nobody outside of Illini fandom will notice or care about. Brutal 10 days. Well, Dave, here's the deal. If you finish 8-4, and four, you're probably still like ReliQuest Bowl. Maybe. I think now you're starting to talk Music City Bowl again, which if you would have mentioned that to me after the Wisconsin game, I would have said, hey, I'd love to go to Nashville. I would still love to go to Nashville. But this is not a team that's worth traveling for right now. They aren't, and credit to those who do, and credit to those who are keeping their Michigan tickets and are going to go and brave, I think the kickoff temperature, because it's an 11 a.m. or noon kickoff up there, is 20 degrees and windy. It'll feel like 12. No, 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 no. Not doing it. Not for this team. If they would have won yesterday, I would have done it. I would have done it, but like, I'm divesting. I have to. For my own mental health. I was talking to Kara about it last night. I mean, yeah, it puts me in a crap mood. And I think about it way too much. And as much as I love sports, I noticed like, you know, I've said this before, concerts and all that, it's like a tailgate, but your team always wins. So you would never go back to the tailgate after a concert and be in any sort of mood like you were yesterday going back out in Lot 31 or wherever you tailgate. It sucked. It was miserable. I hate that. So why do I do it? I know why. We know why. But you can't help but ask yourself those questions when you're freaking miserable over a game that you have no control over. I don't know. You guys are adults probably listening to this. I don't know how many kids listen to it, but do you ever get that sort of existential thing where it's like, the hell am I doing here? Well, what, am I a man or a child? 
I'm acting like a child. So it's just frustrating. With all the tiebreakers, says Dave, similar records. I think we're falling out of those Florida Bulls and into the Nashville pinstripe Mayo level of Bull. Yeah, as a Yankees fan, the Yankees are really just kind of boring as hell right now. You know, the pinstripe Bull used to sound fun. No thanks. Oh, that sucks. Jacob, felt like the team couldn't handle all the success after the 7-1 start, which you would think with this coaching staff should have been handled better. I wonder that too, Jacob. Did they get too big for their britches? Which people could say that's a tired narrative or, you know, well, what proof do you have of that? I, I don't have proof, but Jacob, I'm kind of with you on that in that this is so unexplainable or inexplicable, I should say. So there has to be some intangible things that we just can't see that are there, right? And that has to be part of it. I was feeling the bluster after a 7-1 start. But all that said, even if they were feeling themselves a little bit, to lose whatever edge like that, I mean, you could think we're, we're this, we're that, we're, we're hot stuff. And still play with a little more chip on your shoulder than that. You would have think the Michigan State game would have been humbling. And instead, they were their craptastic selves for a second week in a row. How many times can I say crap in a podcast? I need to expand my vocabulary. There's a lot of words I want to say, but we are a family-friendly show. Uh, I, I'm, I think I'm spent, guys. I, I don't know. I have nothing else really to say this morning except I'm pivoting to Illinois basketball. And... We'll do a Northwestern second half or fourth quarter because eight and four still feels better. But like now I'm thinking, what the hell am I going to do on December 3rd? I don't want to watch the Big Ten title game now. Ew. No. Want no part of it. I wanted to be the team getting ran out of the stadium by Ohio State. All you had to do was beat Purdue. And I say that like it's easy. It should have been easier than that. And they kind of punked you yesterday. And that's a freaking embarrassment. Um, just, yeah. Been seeing this for too many years and it's tiring. And, you know, the season ticket sale boost, eh, not going to happen. Warm Bowl, we'll see. National story, nope. Not anymore. You had it all right there. And I saw this term a few times. I saw it on a message board yesterday. I saw it on Twitter. And I, I copped it, to be quite honest. Allergic to prosperity. And I've heard that before. Never really used it, but it really makes sense. Why must Illinois football be allergic to prosperity? Like, that's great. You're 7-3. and three. You should be 9-1. and one. You should be. And you aren't. You blew it. It's like in Waterboy. You blew it. Was that Waterboy or which Adam Sandler movie? You blew it, Illinois. And that's a bitter pill to swallow. And now the rest of the season is just, uh, okay. I don't know. There was growth. Now I'm just questioning how much. And there's still season left to play where they can prove me wrong and show that, yes, I had every reason to be that pumped, but I just don't feel that way right now. I just don't. Wish I did. Uh, sponsors, again, I'm going to hit you up really hard uh, this week. We do have some basketball to talk about. I'll figure if I'm going to do a second half pod tomorrow or not. Sometimes I just I just want to chill. I'm like, I got to take a little arm's length, take a breather here. But I do want to thank DP Doe, Rector Construction, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, Dogtown Heating, Urine Plumbing. Thank you guys. I will hit you up heavy this week. And of course, Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. I'm going to go try to enjoy my Sunday. I'm going to watch the Bears with no expectations of them winning, just hopefully Justin Fields continuing to improve. Uh, but I don't know. 
there's been a lot of mornings we've woken up after Illinois football disappointments and been like, ew, what was that? But this is rough. And I got no silver linings for you today, folks. Not like last Sunday. I got no silver linings for you today. It just is a big old turd. And yeah. Well, while this may not have been my most eloquent podcast, as I end on turd, geez, I hope it offers some catharsis. If nothing else, I don't know. Um, it is okay to be angry, though. I will say that. It's okay to be angry and ticked off for letting that slip through your fingertips and... There should be some accountability. And while I do like the coaching staff, they got to figure some things out because the last two weeks have put more than a few chinks in their armor. So we'll see how they respond. Unfortunately, you got to go to Ann Arbor to do it. Ew. Folks, have a good week. It's going to be a cold week. That doesn't help. Ew. Why do I keep saying ew? Because it's 30 degrees outside. It feels like December, not November. But enjoy your week. Enjoy Illinois basketball. I don't know how Vegas is going to go, but I think as long as they get one, we're fine. I'm just enjoying watching these new pieces. And uh, thank you, Jacob. He says, thanks for doing these podcasts. It helps after a loss. I, I was telling Alex Rue yesterday, I don't even think I want to do a podcast, but of course, of course I do. It helps me out. I hope it gives you guys just some fodder, something to chew on if you want. And I know not many people are going to listen to this compared to the winning podcast, which I get because even I'm going to take, okay, whew, take a breather this week. I thought I took a breather last week from Illinois football. Now I need a full-on like seven-day cleanse, and that might stretch to 14 days because I don't know what the heck's going to happen to Ann Arbor other, other than pain. But take care, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching on YouTube Live a little bit earlier on this Sunday morning, and we will be back later this week to talk some Illinois basketball. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and I guess stay warm if you can. It is the 200 level. 